Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. You know who's always good? You know who's always good uh, to uh, to stir up the, the, the stuff? Scott Huffman, that guy. Remember him? Guy who couldn't... Was he the one? I think he was. He ran for Congress against Dan Bishop, and he was the one that couldn't explain what a woman was. Remember that? That guy? Yeah, that guy. He's got... I don't know if he buys his followers or whatever, but... Um, he says some really silly things. And so I just, I, I respond to one every now and again and, oh my gosh, the, they come out of the woodwork. They really do. I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, because it dovetails into this, uh, not just in the first hour, the discussion about Belmont Abbey and their mission, how they educate kids. Um, but also how K-12 educates kids and North Carolina, uh, the house has passed a bill as the AP says, limiting racial teachings, <laughs> which I guess is one way to say it. Um, it's the Parents' Bill of Rights. But anyway, um, let me start here first. This was actually a piece uh, several weeks ago, uh, actually a couple months ago, by Peter Berkowitz. And he is the, uh, he's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. Uh, he served as director of policy planning staff at the U.S. State Department. No one who has followed the sad decline of America's universities should be surprised by the debasement of the establishment media, many of whose members graduated from the nation's leading institutions of higher education. Long before Donald Trump's presidency, professors, particularly in the humanities, championed the notion that morality itself is fake. That facts are malleable, they're a matter of perspective, objectivity is an illusion, and that truth, particularly concerning justice and faith, that truth is socially constructed, right? These are, this is postmodernist thought. These are truisms of university culture going back at least 70 years. In June of 2015, when Trump announced his White House run, A lot of people still believe that along with other major news outlets, the New York Times sought, as Times publisher Adolf Ox announced in 1896, to, quote, give the news impartially without fear or favor, regardless of party, sect, or interests involved. The mainstream media's conduct during the Trump years, though, not only repelled conservatives, but also disabused a lot of independent-minded readers of the belief that editors, reporters, and columnists at the nation's most prestigious news organization served the public by fostering an informed citizenry. Right? Independent thinkers were disabused of that idea. The mainstream media, not least the New York Times, hyped the thoroughly discredited Steele dossier, as well as the counterfeit Russia collusion accusations. They fell for the Jussie Smollett hoax. They also participated in the slander of the Covington high school kids. They smeared 
Judge Brett Kavanaugh, in an effort to block his confirmation to the Supreme Court, along with the government and the academy, they amplified progressive opinion and suppressed or demonized dissenting views during the COVID-19 pandemic, not the very least concerning the virus's origins. And along with the FBI and Twitter, as well as former intelligence officials, they discredited or hid from public view the New York Post's accurate reporting in the weeks leading up to the 2020 presidential election about what was on Hunter Biden's laptop and why it was important. Why it's important is it strongly suggests influence peddling by the former vice president and the Democratic presidential nominee's son, right? From the 1950s, again, this is a this is a former State Department official. Guy from the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, Peter Berkowitz. From the 1950s to the early, uh, or sorry, to the 1980s, yeah, to the early 80s, the, the reigning dogma on campus was moral relativism. I re- Look, I, as a philosophy minor in college, like, I can confirm that, <laughs> right? This is, that, that there were all, all sorts of explorations on stuff, but, like, one of the things that always got me on the, the relativism thing was that, you know, this idea that all truth is relative, and it was a hang-up for me because the statement itself is not a relativist statement, right? That is that is an absolute. That is a that, that that's a you know open or closed, on or off, yes or no. It's black and white. There, all truth is relative, except this statement, <laughs> right? Well, that's the exception that proves the rule. No, no. Right, because what's the alternative if all truth is not relative? Like when, you, right? Then there are absolute truths, which undermines the whole philosophy of relativism, does it not? I, like I said, this has always been a hang-up for me on this. All truth is relative, except for the statement that literally defines my philosophy that is at odds with my philosophy. That doesn't make sense to me. So, the conventional wisdom was that moral relativism justified. Pluralism, toleration, equality, right? If no moral outlook or judgment was superior to another, why shouldn't all ways of life be welcomed? The answer is that by moral relativism's own principle, there's no ethical requirement for the strong to refrain from subjugating the weak. Right? If all truth is relative, then there's no ethical requirement for me not to oppress you. I'm not sure that the critical race theorists, the uh, you know the critical uh, thinkers here, the, uh, the the SEL folks, and the uh, the people that are constantly competing in the victimhood Olympics, the Church of Wokeism. I'm not sure they've actually charted this thing out to the end, unless they think that they're going to be the ones that are stronger. But that's the thing: is there's always somebody stronger. And there's always somebody willing to go further, willing to do worse things, right? That's always the case. The postmodernism of the late 1980s and 90s and the early 21st century has only heightened this contradiction. Berkowitz goes on to say it offered a more flamboyant moral relativism coupled with a more strident progressivism. Postmodernists maintain that Western civilization, its literature, fine arts, philosophy, religion along with its social practices and political institutions, that all of these things are just 
crystallizations of power relations, right? It's all about power. At the same time, postmodernists aspired to liberate individuals from the allegedly all-encompassing structures of oppression that were erected by Western civilization. But, having established to their own satisfaction that high-minded talk of reason and justice masked just a simple will to dominate, postmodernists were unable to explain why human beings deserve freedom and once attained what they should do with it. Postmodern moralism has been succeeded now by the doctrinaire woke progressivism that sunk deep roots within our universities. Woke progressivism promulgates identity politics, which divides the world into the deserving oppressed and their shameful oppressors. Right? They all suffer a common incoherence. Their ideas entail that morality is a delusion. Yet they praise and condemn and enforce their own rigid judgments as if they had exclusive access to objective facts and had grasped the unimpeachable truth about justice. This is why James Lindsay calls it Gnosticism. Alrighty, so back to this piece Peter Berkowitz wrote at Real Clear Politics back in January. But, you know, I, I sit on these things, I read them, and then I, I keep them in the stack. And when I find stuff that connects to it, I connect and I bring it out. And so this is from January, but the piece talks about, well, the headline is uh, Journalism, Universities, and the Containment of Ideology. And he, he, you know, he's obviously connecting these three ideas, these, these three things, the journalism, the university, and the ideology. And he talks about how mainstream media outlets, um, you know, fell for all of these hoaxes. They were uh, led around by... Uh, uh, by narratives, right? Stories that got planted and they were, and then they were blaming, you know, Donald Trump for this, you know, post-truth era as if Donald Trump created all of this stuff while they are engaging in post-truth acts themselves, right? But you trace it back to from where they came, the journalists, where do they come from? And they come from the universities and the postmodernism that infected everything in the 80s and the 90s and then the early 2000s. Moral relativism, postmodernism, and woke progressivism. He, he says they suffer a common incoherence. Right? They say that uh, morality is a delusion. But on the other hand, they then try to police other people based on moralities. Right? And, and they act like they know they know truth they they have a certain level of knowledge and enlightenment james lindsay uh of new discourses he refers to them a lot of times as gnostics modern day gnostics and gnosticism right which goes back centuries greco roman world where they were wrestling all the time um I think that's what I've heard. Early Christian era, around the second century. It's all, I mean, it's, it is defined in, in various different ways, but this, the general concept here is that uh, there is a, uh, there is a claim of exclusive access to truth that the Gnostics were the, the, you know, we were the guardians of the, of the truth. 
We are the Gnostics. We know things that you don't. And then we'll, you know, we'll inform you. We'll let you know things. This sensibility is, on the one hand, libertine, and on the other hand, authoritarian. And this idea, though, this, this way of thinking, it infuses the press corps. They pose as fearless guardians of the people's right to know, but many of its members propagandize for partisan gain, while raging against Donald Trump as a mortal threat to the public's respect for reality. He then goes on to quote, a uh, uh, an author named Azar Gett wrote a book called Ideological Fixation. Um, he's a military historian at Tel Aviv University. He's a professor of political uh, yeah political science, and he said he talks about the three great ideologies: liberalism, socialism, and fascism. I'm not saying that they're great, like they're awesome. I'm saying like the great, like the big ones, right? Liberalism, socialism, fascism that have shaped modern history. Grasping facts accurately, reasoning responsibility, uh, responsibly rather about justice, right? What does this require? Means that we're supposed to listen. You got to listen attentively to those on the other side of the question, cultivating the ability to see from a variety of angles enhances appreciation of the elements of truth. In the other side's undoubtedly flawed views, yes, but while bringing into focus the deficiencies of your own opinions. Right? This is a fancy way of saying what I've been saying for years, which is you don't know your own argument unless you know your opponents. Liberal education is the antidote to ideological fixation. Not liberal like conservative liberal, but the classical liberal, right? Instead of entrenching sanctimony, resentment, our universities could much improve journalism as well as cool and elevate public debate and promote toleration simply by rededicating themselves to educating kids about the rival moral and political ideas out of which emerged America's core constitutional commitment to equal rights under law. Right? We're, we're preferring the liberalism ideology. That's what we were founded on, classical liberalism. Not socialism, not fascism. Those are the things to reject. And if we, if we can clean up higher ed, maybe we clean up journalism. I know it's going to take a long time. though. <laughs> it's going to take a long time. Uh, decades. But you got to start somewhere. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. So the uh, North Carolina House, Republican-controlled House, passed a previously vetoed proposal yesterday to restrict how teachers can discuss certain racial topics that some lawmakers have equated to critical race theory in the scare quotes. Critical race theory in the scare quotes. The House voted, this is the AP's version, written by Hannah Schoenbaum. 
The House voted 68 to 49 along party lines for legislation banning public school teachers from compelling students to believe they should feel guilty or responsible for past actions committed by people of the same race or sex. Right. Collective guilt based on immutable characteristics. That's what you teachers cannot compel students to believe these things. You cannot make students regurgitate and, and recite certain things that uh, like, oh, I'm taking the blame because somebody who has the same level of skin pigmentation as I do that has been dead for 200 years did something bad to somebody else. So therefore, I am responsible. No. Um, united in their opposition, House Democrats challenged Republican claims that the bill would reduce discrimination and argued that a comprehensive history education should make students uncomfortable. Why? This is the tell. Right? This is the tell. They literally say that this isn't happening, right? That there's no critical race theory being taught in school. That's just a... You know, a complex college-level framework for viewing things and blah, blah, blah. Right. Critical consciousness. It's all, it all falls under this idea of critical consciousness. We went over this. This is what wokeism is. We went over the definition on this, the, of this the other day. Right? This, this idea that the systems are inherently oppressive, discriminatory. That's, the, that, that's critical consciousness. Wokeism. That's the that's the foundational belief. And yes, censorship is necessary. And what group you belong to is more important than who you are as an individual. These are the mo- these are the tenets. And what the House bill, this Parents Bill of Rights, right? This anti-critical race theory bill, like this is what it's targeting. And by the way, Ibram X. Kendi, right, the the most famous modern-day critical theorist um, or, or, yeah, critical consciousness uh, adherent, uh, he, he has said flat out that the answer to or the solution to past discrimination is current and future discrimination. He has said that explicitly. Like, that's a direct quote. <laughs> so, yes, it's uh, if you can do away with this critical consciousness garbage – uh, yes, you would reduce discrimination because by its very nature, it calls for discrimination against just a different class of people than had previously been discriminated against. Right? This is a vengeance play, right? That's the idea here. And so while they tell you that this stuff isn't occurring, it's not being taught, no one does any of this, this is all just right-wingery, you know. But Democrats challenge the Republican claims that the bill's that the bill would reduce discrimination, and they argue that a comprehensive history education should make students uncomfortable. Well, then there's a need for the bill, because why would you be making a student now uncomfortable? Why would you be trying to make them uncomfortable? Unless you're trying to blame them for something somebody else did, and you're only blaming them because of an immutable characteristic, something they cannot change. Gaston County Republican Representative John Torbett said the proposal, which now heads to the Senate, will prohibit schools from endorsing controversial concepts, including that one race or sex is inherently superior. Which, really, it's not terribly surprising that Democrats would oppose that, being the 
the party of the the KKK and all the you know just historically speaking it does make sense they really 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 want to be able to preserve this ability I guess several Democrats I kid I kid the Democrats but they were the party of the Klan but but I kid several Democrats including representatives Rosa Gill of Wake County and Laura Budd of Mecklenburg County, raised concerns. They raised, that's what Democrats do, by the way. They don't pounce, they don't seize. Right, they raise concerns. That the language is vague, and it does not outline clear boundaries for teachers. Which, by the way, if you do outline the clear boundaries, which I would submit that the bill does, but um, if you were to outline the clear boundaries then they would argue, or sorry, they would raise concerns that you're trying to legislate curriculum, that we should let the experts develop the curriculum and not have the politicians dictating. And this is why I responded to Scott Huffman, failed multiple-time candidate, um, who said the war on woke culture and teachers is intensifying Republicans, and he puts the K in Republicans. He didn't go the full Republicans like KKK. He didn't do that one. Or Republicans. He didn't do it, but like, whatever. Republicans don't want racism and sexism taught in North Carolina public schools. I do agree. We should not be teaching racism and sexism. That is not, I don't think that's the proper role for schools. To be teaching people that a race is superior or uh, a sex is superior than another. They should not be teaching that. Um... He says it's uh, this bill is designed to tell teachers how to teach. See, that's the argument that he's making, even though the, the lawmakers, the Democrats who stood on the floor and opposed it, they were saying that they need clearer guidelines. But if you give them any guidelines, then you get this criticism from Scott Huffman, multiple-time failed Democrat candidate, uh, who says that uh, you're telling them how to teach. That's big government that the GOP claims to oppose. And so I, you know me, right? I am a giver. And so... I offered up, uh, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, I offer up a sort of an explanation here as to this, you know, big government uh, uh, attack or, or thought that he's uh, expressing. And so I simply said, schools transmit society's culture to the next generation. Government-run schools dictate what those lessons are in government-run schools. If you want government out of that business, then you should support deconstructing the current K-12 government-run model. Right? Very simple. If you don't want politicians dictating what the government is teaching the next generation, then you got to get the government out of the government schools. Because that's how they operate. Politicians are elected representatives They are the ones who are in charge of the government system. I I don't know why this is difficult to understand. Well, apparently it is. For a lot of the the Huffheads, uh, which I I guess those are his followers. That's what I'm calling them. The Huffheads, the Huffers, um, who do seem to be affected uh, mentally from the Huffing. Um, So here's one of the, uh, the classic lines that I always get. You've never been in a school, have you? Right. So what is that? That is a display of what? Gnosticism, right? This person who goes by the handle Women's Hoops Blog. Women's Hoops Blog. She writes a blog about women's hoops. How do you even know what how do you even know what women's hoops would be? If you don't know what a woman is, 
Anyway, yes, pronouns in the profile. Absolutely. Um, you've never been in a school. So they'll say, like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Rather than addressing the the obvious point that I made, which is that the government is running the school and the people who run the government are the politicians. And so, therefore, if you don't like what the politicians are doing and you say that they shouldn't be involved in this, then you need to deconstruct the model because the model is what it is. Right. And then welcome aboard, by the way, because I would very much like to join you in deconstructing the model. But that's a different topic for another day. But this Women's Hoops Blogs account, she seems to think that she knows something that I obviously do not. That what, schools don't transmit society's culture and knowledge? Of course they do. And that what, the government schools are not controlled by the government representatives that we elect? See, the the issue isn't the model for these folks. The issue is who's in control of the model. And they have been in control for a very long time. And what we learned in North Carolina after the Democrats lost control of the General Assembly for the first time in a century and a half, um, in 2010... They do not take losing very well. They do not uh, respond very well or react very well or behave very well when they are in the minority. When they don't get to set the agenda, they don't handle it very well. Let's go to the phone lines now. Here is Brian. Welcome to the program, Brian. How are you? Yeah, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, I was listening to your last comments about the education of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're talking about white pupils uh, concerning the history of blacks in America. So, I was kind of trying to figure out what is it that you want them to be taught. Okay, so why would you assume that I was talking about white students and not all students? That was just speculation on my part. Right, so that's why I'm asking why. Uh, because basically you're the one that's saying that, well, and you're, you know, you, I mean, you, you're representing a white guy, but, and you're the, and I'm assuming that the, the, the people that you are speaking about that are objecting to that type of education uh, because you said something about critical theory, mm-hmm. and and so therefore the biggest proponent to critical theory uh, education has been the white community, and so that's where I get that from. But but um, but no, that, that no, that doesn't that no that you. I asked you why you thought I was only talking about the education of white students, and you said uh, part of that answer was that I'm representing a white guy or something like so because I'm white. I'm only talking about white students. No, no, no. Listen, listen to me. It's very clear that what I'm asking you. It's just that what is it that you would like for all students to be taught about the history of blacks in America? Then, if that makes you feel better, it's not a matter of making me feel better. I'm just trying to unpack your bigotry. That's all. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, all right, because right, because it informs it informs how I approach the argument. It makes it helps me determine whether you're making an argument in good faith or not. Um, and so, right now, it sounds like well, right. So, initially, the way you the way you prefaced your approach makes me believe that it's not a good faith argument. So, I'm going to respond in a different manner. So, I'll, I'll tell you, what's that? I just asked a simple question. You didn't, well, no, Brian, no, Brian, you didn't, Brian, Brian, hang on, Brian, you did not answer, you did not just ask a simple question. You packed, you, you packed it first with a statement that was rife with bigotry. And so that informs, I'm just letting you, I'm, I'm giving you my thought process before I start to answer your question. This is my thought process and why I'm going to behave the way I behave with you now. Because got to get your research, got to get that material up there for you. I got you. Go ahead. Go what ahead. are you, what are you even talking about? What researchers? Who, who do you think? Who do you think does research for this program, Brian? No, go ahead, go ahead, Pete. I'm listening. 
So are there, see, the problem, Brian, is that you know so many things that just aren't so. You really believe these things, don't you? You really believe that I've got a team of people that are researching things for me right now? No, no, I really just want to hear that answer. I, I just want to hear If that. you wanted to hear the answer, then why do you throw out all of the other bigoted bombs? I, I just want to hear that answer. I'm not going to say anything about anything else that upset I don't me. think you can help yourself. <laughs> I don't think, I think, believe that's impossible. So okay. here's, so here's the answer to the, to the question that you, uh, that you posed about what education, what I want to see American kids learn about black people. Is that the, is that the question? About the, about the history of blacks in America. In America, right, okay. So I would want them to learn age-appropriate material about what happened in America and why. What happened in America and why? And yeah. why? Yeah, so all sorts of stuff. You want, you want me to go through individual lessons like the Wilmington riots and what precipitated that and how it happened and how many were killed and the fusion party, and you want me to go through all of that? Yeah, we should learn about that. Absolutely. Black Wall Street in Utah? Absolutely. We should also learn about the worst lynchings in American history. Absolutely. Sure. Look, I advocated for the 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 lynching museum. You know, have you ever heard of the, have you heard of the lynching museum? No, I haven't. It is a thing. They built it. It's in uh believe Birmingham. And um every county where there were victims where there were lynch uh lynching victims, uh in America, they they created these slabs, these big stone uh, rectangles. Oh, that's, good. That, that, that's good. That's good. But but okay. So you. So you don't even want to. So wait, 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 hang on, Brian. You asked a question. You asked a question, and you assumed that so that I had no answer. And now I'm giving you answers, and you want to dismiss these answers because I'm giving you some history that you don't even know about. No, no listen to me. What you're saying is that they're building this thing. That, that's fine. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they build it. But okay, so those are the things that you don't mind. It's not that I don't mind. It's not that I don't mind. You asked me what types of things. I'm giving you some types of things. So do, let me ask you this: Do you? Want oh, do I let you ask me this? Okay, go ahead. Do you do you want American children to be educated in the truth or falsehood? Generally speaking, yes, I would prefer they learn the truth. Do you have the? Uh, do you have the? Uh, do you have the monopoly on that? Do you know what the truth is? It takes a concerted effort to get the truth. It takes concerted effort from all communities. So therefore, it, because we don't have the whole truth and you don't have the whole truth, so therefore it takes a... a, a this is moral relativism. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what I spent the first half of the hour talking about. Thank you for illustrating it so well, Brian. Nobody can know the real truth. Nobody can ever know the real truths. Let's just get rid of, let's get rid of education altogether. How about that? No? Thank <laughs> you.